0: Hello there, everybody. This is WSAV Sports Director Andrew Goldstein, and welcome to episode 100 of the WSAV Now Sports podcast. I think it's 100. In my memory of the last episode, which was two weeks ago, that was 99. So this is 100, I think. If it's not, well, we'll just say it's 100. Our count has never really been accurate anyways, so whatever. We're just going to call this 100. I am recording this in the sports closet about an hour before I leave for the airport to head to Indianapolis, where I'm going to go check out... uh, What do they have in Indianapolis? Uh, The leaves. I'm going to go check out the foliage. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, National championship game, Alabama-Georgia. It's going to be there on Monday. Super excited for it, so... I'm gonna be providing coverage on WSAV Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday morning. We've got you all covered with everything you need to know about the game. We even have a 30-minute special leading into the game, Monday night, 5.30, our Dogs on Three special. It is going to be fantastic stuff. I'm so looking forward to it. So I wanted to just have a brief discussion Uh, Some of the key points of this game and I'm not going to delve too deep into it because I have Chris Brees, the sports director from CBS 42 in Birmingham coming on to kind of do that, particularly with Alabama's side. But to focus on Georgia a little bit, they were dominant in the Orange Bowl. It was clear from the first possession that michigan just straight up never had a chance and there's a lot of credit to go around i'm gonna acknowledge each of those parties but i want to start with the offensive line jamari sawyer warren mcclendon by the way we actually have his high school head coach on as a guest a little bit later on in the show sean pender so you're going to hear more about uh, warren and stetson both of whom he coached but uh to just briefly expand on Warren and Jamari and the offensive line's performance. They didn't allow a single sack against the Michigan Wolverines. It is the first time all season that Michigan was held without a sack. That is remarkable. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, these are some of the best pass rushers in the country and Georgia just shut them out. And Stetson Bennett obviously had something to do with that. He got the ball out on time. He was mobile. He can take off running but he was operating from clean pockets for most of the night. And when you see how much difficulty Ohio State had keeping Michigan out of the backfield, I mean, Ohio State's recruiting from the same four and five star pool that Georgia is, the fact that the Bulldogs were able to do that was uh, nothing short of amazing. And then you go to Stetson, 313 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I think it's the best game he has played in his career. You might want to argue with me on that think of a better one i can he was on point with just about every single throw he needed to be on point with he went deep a couple times he extended plays he ran for first downs i mean i'm thinking of those wheel routes to james cook i think there was two of them they could not have been more perfectly placed both those balls Uh, I'm thinking also of the 57 yard touchdown to Jermaine Burton where the corner got turned around and Burton just torched him deep. Stetson delivered those passes perfectly. And yeah, I think his deep ball hangs up there a bit long. It's kind of a rainbow type delivery, but in terms of placement, you're not going to find many better in the country. He has always been a gunslinger. You're going to hear Sean Pender talk about that a little bit later in the show, going back to his days at Pierce County. And he has matured and brought a sense of calm and accuracy and game management uh, to that gunslinging mentality It's a really nice compliment, and I think the mailman is about to show the rest of the country what he can really do. All the Georgia fans who said JT Daniels should be starting, Stetson isn't the guy for us. I mean, they're they're now ordering U.S. Postal Service hats because of Stetson Bennett. So, a really well-earned, well-deserved performance for him. By the way, I want to give credit to James Cook, too, because he was a weapon out of the backfield. I love running back wheel routes okay love them love them love them they are so difficult to execute well because it is a route that running backs can't usually run uh kind of straight go into a fade where you have to make an over-the-shoulder catch I mean it is a hard hard route but if you can do it you have to take a defender out of the box to go cover that and usually it's a defender that can't run with a running back. I mean, if you put an outside linebacker on him, that backer is not meant to run 40 plus yards downfield, chasing after a running back on a wheel route or a go route. So if you can get that play to hit, or if you can at least maintain the threat of it, Man, that opens up a whole new dimension to your offense. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, saw Georgia try it again against Alabama. I think they could really get some good things accomplished with that. Now, on the defensive side of things, Michigan never had a shot. Not a single chance. That front seven that was so overwhelmed against Alabama, in turn overwhelmed the offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award. I mean, Michigan Wolverines voted the best offensive line in the country. In fact, in the weeks before he passed away, John Madden texted Jim Harbaugh, Michigan's coach, that Michigan's O-line play against Ohio State was among the best he had ever seen at any level. So this is not an easy thing that Georgia accomplished here. I mean, Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, they have had wide open cutback lanes to run through all year, and Georgia was just having none of it. Jordan Davis was blowing things up at the point of attack time after time after time. You saw N'Kobe Dean, you saw... Uh, Quay Walker, get to the edge, set a good, solid boundary that Michigan could not escape when they tried to run outside zone, when they tried to get to the sidelines. I mean, I think the worst thing you could even try to do against this Georgia team is try to outrun them horizontally. Because they have not allowed a single opponent, even Alabama, to do that all year. Remember, Bama beat them by basically going over their heads. They beat them through the air. Brian Robinson got some things accomplished up the middle. Uh, Nobody has been able to outflank Georgia this year. I wouldn't even try it. Michigan did. I don't really know what other option Michigan had after a while, but it goes to show you that uh, it's a bad idea because Nicobe Dean, Nolan Smith, uh, who, by the way, led the team with eight tackles and had a sack. It was one of his best games ever. Uh, These are just physical sideline to sideline ball hawk type of guys you're not going to get around them you have to either pass over them or go through them and speaking of which now you got the rematch with alabama the team that so successfully passed over you in the sec championship game bryce young set an sec championship game record for both passing yards and total yards it was such a fall from grace Uh, For a defense that had been so dominant all year that led the entire country in stop rate, seems like they couldn't even get a single stop against Alabama. Now we're going to see if things can be a little bit different. I'm going to delve more into this with Chris Brees, but Bama's not going to have John Mechie, their number two wide receiver, for this game. And along with Jameson Williams, he torched UGA in the SEC Championship suffered that ACL injury during that game. And then going forward, Bama's offense, it looked good, but it didn't look like they were getting anything they wanted like they were against Georgia in the first half of that game. I don't think their wide receiver depth is quite what it was in the last few years. Now, that's probably an unfair comparison because the last few years have been Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, and Devontae Smith on the same team. Even for Alabama, that's nuts. I mean, you're talking four, five NFL high-round draft picks all on the same wide receiver core. It is very hard, even for a program that recruits at Alabama's level, to get that consistently. So Bama is now merely very good at wide receiver instead of historically awesome. Uh, But still, Slade Bolden can uh, step up into that number two role. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks uh, has shown the ability to do some things, some positive things for that Crimson Tide team. So they still have weapons. I just don't think they're quite the world beater that they were on offense a year or two ago, where if they lose a guy like Mechie, they can just bump up the next person with no drop-off of efficacy. I think there's going to be a little bit. Uh, And then against Cincinnati, Alabama just bullied them. They ran the ball right down Cincinnati's throat over and over and over again. I don't think you're gonna see that against Georgia. I think the strength of Georgia's interior is going to force Alabama to put the ball in the air a little bit more. I think that's what Alabama wants to do. I mean, heck, they got really good results with that in the SEC Championship. I would expect them to go back to that well. So, it's gonna be quite an interesting game. Trying to think if there's anything I haven't covered yet. Yeah, uh, Georgia's secondary. So Darion Kendrick came down with two interceptions against Michigan. Uh, They had a really good across-the-board day. Lewis Seen, Chris Smith, uh, Latavius Brini, they all kind of held their own against Michigan. But that being said, they're not facing any kind of challenge that compares to Alabama, either against the Wolverines or really all year long. I mean, we thought Clemson was gonna be that in week one with Justin Ross, Joseph Nada, and Clemson hasn't had a bad year per se, not by any stretch of the imagination, but they weren't quite the offensive world beaters that we expected them to be. They're not putting up 40 plus points per game like they were with Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, T. Higgins, Hunter Renfro, all those guys there. So I, Think that Georgia ran into something in Alabama that they had just never seen before, and I would expect them to be better prepared this time. My question is can the pass rush bother Bryce Young enough to allow the defensive backs to have more success? If the quarterback's running for his life, that gives you more, 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 more blah, 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 and they pay me to talk, more margin for error as a defensive back. Uh, to maybe fall a step behind your assignment and recover, maybe not have to cover them as long. I mean, Bryce Young was not sacked once in the SEC Championship, operating from pretty much clean pockets the whole time and stepping up effectively to make a clean pocket for himself when necessary. That's not good if you're a Georgia corner because you have to cover these dynamic Alabama wide receivers. You have to cover Jamison Williams for such a long time uh, that eventually they're going to get open. If the pass rush can get home, if they can bother Bryce Young, make him run around a little bit, that's going to give the Georgia defensive backs a lot more margin for error. And I think that's the part of the defense that needs it. The front seven, particularly the outside linebackers, best in the nation, okay? These are NFL draft-worthy guys. Georgia's secondary, on the other other hand, you have to remember, they lost pretty much all of it to the NFL last year. So they're operating with a bunch of guys who are good, but who maybe are not quite up to that pro-level caliber of the rest of the defense. So they're gonna need some help in the form of a pass rush. Uh, And I think that if they can get that, Georgia has a much better chance of winning. All right. So before we throw it over to our guests, I want to briefly run down the folks from our area, from South Georgia, who are on this team. You know about Stetson Bennett from Pierce County. Outside linebacker Nolan Smith from Savannah spent two years at Calvary before transferring to IMG Academy. Kamari Lassiter. Noah Chumley, Chris Brown, all of those guys, nine one two products. You got Austin Blaschke, uh, backup offensive lineman that's seen some action this year. Uh, he is South Effingham, I believe. Yeah, South Effingham. In my head, I always get confused who went to South Effingham, who went to Effingham County. He's South Effingham. Then you've got Warren Brinson uh, on the defensive line. Savannah Product, who has played... In most games this year, he's not a starter, but he's sort of part of that rotational package. Warren McClendon at right tackle. Uh, He was locked down in that game against Michigan. You're gonna hear more from him, Brunswick guy. And then you've got Micah Morris, who's from Camden County, sort of on the edges of our viewing area. Uh, Garrett Grady, who I talked to to get some intel about Warren, he coached against Morris, in an offensive line camp and a big man challenge and he said Morris is as good as any offensive lineman that he's seen. And you can make the argument that, aside from Brock Bowers, uh, Morris is the true freshman that has the most promising future on this Georgia team. I mean, to crack this OL rotation in your first year, that is seriously impressive stuff. Okay, so that's it for me. We're gonna have Chris Brees on first from CBS 42 in Birmingham. We're then going to follow him up with Sean Pender, the head coach of the Brunswick Pirates. Once upon a time, the coach of both Stetson Bennett and Warren McClendon. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in to WSAV Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday morning for a national championship game coverage. WSAV.com slash sports for that too. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at AndyGold24. That's A-N-D-Y-G-O-L-D-24 for all the latest. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's Chris Brees. And we're back with Chris Brees, the sports director at CBS 42 in Birmingham. He's been doing an awesome job, him and his team covering the Alabama Crimson Tide all year. Nobody in a better position to know exactly what Georgia's up against than him. And we're <laughs> excited to have him with us today. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I yeah. think so everybody before we made- even
0: get into the Alabama talk, uh, you're driving up, right? It's a kind of a shorter drive for you. I mean, I know we got to fly You're six and six and a half hours, right?
1: Straight up i 65. So it's not a big deal. I, for you, I'd be from Savannah. It'd be a disaster going all the way around Atlanta and then figuring out how to get on whatever highway you got to. Yeah. It's not bad at all. Um, yeah, we'd have to stop in a Tennessee. disaster too. So it's, it's a, it was a no brainer to drive it
0: for sure. Well, All right, we saw this game a month ago. Alabama won pretty convincingly. So I want to explore kind of why that happened and what, if anything, is going to be different this time. Let's start with the biggest, most obvious difference, which is that Alabama will not have wide receiver John Mechie uh, due to an ACL injury, but he torched UGA uh, in the early goings of the SEC championship Do you foresee the absence of Mechie having any tangible impact on Alabama's offense, or do you think it's just next man up, keep it rolling?
1: Yeah, next man up. Um, I don't don't think it's so much the issue at a wide receiver. It's going to be Bryce Young. I mean, we made assumptions throughout the entire year that Alabama has issues, and they did. I mean, they had issues all over the place. I think they had four games that were decided on the last drive which is unheard of for Alabama. And so we all say, well, Bama's got issues. You know, they, they, they have a bad offensive line. They can't protect the quarterback, but then all of a sudden in that game against Georgia, Georgia fans know the heartbreak. They suddenly put it all together for the first time all year, they put it together and we saw what this team can do for the first time all year. So, and they have this knack. I mean, preparing in December and January is different. I mean, they, they, they turn it on. I guess that's what talent does. That's what five-star players do, and especially in that, that Nick Saban culture in that program. So we saw Alabama turn it on and show what they can do at the end of the year. I don't know why we should assume we're going to see the team we saw in September and October with all those issues. We can't You, you can't assume that, that we're going to see that team. I think Georgia's going to get Alabama's best. And to answer your question from the start, it's going to come down to Bryce Young. I mean, if, if they protect him well enough, and what does that mean? Having enough time to throw his first option, second option, whatever it is. If he has that time and he plays well enough, George is going to be up against it.
0: Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the offensive line since you mentioned it. It's not even so much that Alabama was playing in so many close games. It's that mm-hmm. they got pushed around by Florida. They got pushed around by LSU for a lot of their game. Auburn, the line looked out of sorts. And traditionally, when you think of Alabama, the first thing you think of is big, strong, physical up front. And then against Georgia, it's not even so much that it was their best performance of the year. It's that it was like orders of magnitude better than anything they had done up until that point. So what was it, if you could pinpoint a couple of things, that finally came together? Was it a key player? Was it a key blocking scheme that they finally executed on? What exactly was it?
1: I think it was just belief that they can win and belief that they're supposed to win. Um, it's easy for fans to sit there and be like, well, our team should be winning by three touchdowns. That's what they're used to. I mean, and I, I, I hate to say it, but Alabama fans are spoiled, man. I'm. You look at this team, if they win by two touchdowns, what's wrong with them? I mean, they went on the road to a now not very good Florida team. But back in September, people thought at the time. Well, you just went on the road and beat a top 15 team with basically a brand new roster. And you also got to realize that this is a team that lost eight of the top 40 NFL draft picks. Think about that. Who who would survive that? I mean, you would be crippled the next year if you had eight of the top 40 draft picks gone. It was a new team learning how to play with each other, learning how to win, and we clearly saw learning how to win throughout the year because, again, they had all those close games and they had that mindset, that mentality when Georgia came around, well, they were expected to lose. I don't want to say they had nothing to lose because this team always expects to win football games, but I just think that they finally put it together the way champions do. Now that doesn't say that Georgia does not have a chance on Monday night. It just means I think that Georgia has to have a lot of things go their way and Alabama has to play, not as well as they did in the SEC title game, is, is what I'll say.
0: Yeah, you mentioned losing eight of the top 40 players uh, in the NFL draft to graduation. I think it was kind of the same thing in Georgia's secondary going into this uh-huh. year where you lose Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, uh, Richard LeCount. And then because the pass rush was so dominant all year and so was you know really the front seven in general, I, I don't feel like they ever got meaningfully tested until Alabama. They never really had to defend elite wide receivers on an island like Alabama made them do. Uh, and coming into this game, do you anticipate that Nick Saban is going to put forth more of a downfield explosive passing attack like we saw in the SEC championship or more of a possession-based passing attack like we saw against Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I I think you can look at the Michigan game with Georgia and realize that you're not going to beat a team like that lining up against them and doing whatever you want, running the ball, short routes, whatever you want to call it. You got to throw it over their heads. I mean, how, how bad did Bama's receiver, Jameson Williams, torch them? I mean, and, and I, Bryce Young. We have to throw, look it up, but it was approaching 200 yards. Yeah, and Bryce Young playing absolutely wonderful in that game. You, you're, you're not going to beat Georgia with ground and pound and methodical play calling. You're going to throw it over their heads, and, and Michigan did try to throw it over their heads. They just didn't have the talent to get open, number one, and they didn't have the talent at quarterback to get it there in the right spot. I mean – Cade McNamara for Michigan and Bryce Young for Alabama. Do you really want to compare those two? I mean, no, no, not knock, knock on a knock on Cade McNamara, but it's just it is what it is. So you're looking at two very different magnitudes of quarterbacks, and you got the Heisman winner for a reason, and that's why I keep coming back to: if Bryce Young has time and he plays well enough, they're going to go over Georgia's head and the big question might be can they get to the quarterback one to allow him not to do that not to have that time and
0: two can they can they defend the deep routes if they can do that georgia can win the game yeah one of the things that really impressed me about Bryce Young was his mobility both within and escaping the pocket yeah, i mean that's yeah. not something you got as much of with Mac Jones, but Bryce Young is highly mobile. That being said, we've seen a couple opponents be able to pressure him, get to him for sacks, hurries, etc. What is the prime difference between a team that is able to successfully alter Bryce Young and one that isn't? Is there a particular way you have to scheme your pressures against him?
1: No idea because Auburn had seven sacks and Georgia had zero. What,
0: exactly. How, that's what, how boils, does that that's what blows my mind.
1: How does that make sense? It, it doesn't. That's why... I mean, you can say there's parity in college football, but there's really not because, look, we have Alabama and Georgia, the two best recruiting classes the last eight years, have been doing this thing for how many years? So there's no parity in college football in that standard, but it's absolutely parity when it comes to thinking one thing's going to happen based on prior results, and then all of a sudden Alabama has this offensive line of gold where Bryce Young did whatever he wanted whenever he wanted to. Now, um, is, is Dan Lanning up to the task? Is he not thinking about Oregon? Is he, I mean, clearly, if you want to play that storyline, whether Michigan had the talent or not, it didn't matter if Dan Lanning was looking at Oregon or if he was having his mind in that game last weekend. It might make a difference this weekend because he's going up against way better talent. Um, is, is his head in it? Are, are they committed on that staff to figuring out how to get to Bryce Young? That might be the most fascinating part of this game. Is Georgia called their front seven or called their entire defense, figuring out how to stop that passing attack and making them run the ball more? Because that's where you can have Alabama have issues, is trying to run the ball. And you had mentioned Mac Jones. Well, he didn't need to be mobile. He didn't need to do much because his offensive line was great. He had a great running game. He had even better receivers than Bryce Young has now. So that's all kind of irrelevant. Uh, Bryce Young is is the catalyst in this game. And so it's going to come down to that again.
0: I want to talk about the Alabama rushing attack a little bit because Brian Robinson was featured heavily in the game plan against Cincinnati. It seemed to make a lot of sense for Bama to just say, look, we have bigger, stronger dudes than you. We're going to run it right at you. Try to stop us. And the end result was, I think, over 300 total rushing yards yeah. uh, for the team or something like that. Do you anticipate them trying to do the same thing against Georgia? You know, I know you said Bryce Young is the key to the offense, but I, I mean, if you look at the games where Bama's done really well, they've gotten good ground production. Do you think they try and go back to that well, or do you think they're putting it in Bryce Young's hands from the get-go?
1: I think they're going to put it in Bryce Young's hands from the get-go and try to sprinkle in the run. Um all the while knowing that if it doesn't work, you have to adapt. And that's that's one thing that everybody knows by now, that Nick Saban has adapted incredibly in college football. I mean, think about his 2015 championship when Jake Coker was the statue back there and they wanted to run the ball with the Heisman Trophy running back and Derrick Henry. And, yeah, they had the long shot. They had the deep threat occasionally. And then it evolved. Jalen Hurts wasn't really a deep threat in 2016. They evolved that offense with Lane Kiffin. It was really kind of brilliant what he did. And then all of a sudden, Tua comes around, and all these star receivers come around, and they start to adapt it. I wouldn't think for one second that Alabama is going to be stubborn and try to run the football on Monday. And they're going to do what they have to do. And they—I mean—and you tell me—I don't really recall did they have a whole lot of rushing yards in the SEC Championship? I didn't think they did.
0: I think it was, and I would have to check the stats. I want to say it was about four, four and a half yards of carry. I don't think they had many rushing yards, but when they did go on the ground, uh, they were effective. And that may, that
1: may have been a result of just how good the passing game was. I yeah. mean, and it's crazy to think about that game because Georgia was up 10 to nothing. And yeah. people and forget everybody, that. everybody said, Oh, here we go. It's going to be a blowout. And they did what they wanted for, what almost a quarter and all of a sudden a light went on and it was a completely different game. Is that adjustment from the coaches? Probably. Uh, we, we don't know for sure, but you can make the assumption that that was the case. It was the coaches figuring out what works, what doesn't work. How do we defend? And that's, that staff is top notch for a reason. Uh, Nick Saban gets credit for a lot of reasons. That's one of them is having that kind of ability to adapt and and trusting his coaches to adapt. But I think also at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the play on the field. I mean, who's going to hit each other harder, you know, who, who's going to be more physical, who, who's going to, I don't want to say want it more because they both want it more. I mean, that's, that's kind of a cliche who is going to actually attack and execute. And at the end of the play, get it more and want it more. That's, that's going to be it. I mean, you can talk about the coaching staff all you want, but it's going to come down to the play on the field and, You know, who's going to execute?
0: Yeah, I want to sneak in just a few questions about Bama's defense, because I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that at least a little bit. The safeties in particular had big days the last time against UGA. I'm thinking specifically of Jordan Battle taking that interception back to the house. That was sort of the final nail in the coffin for Georgia, if there was any doubt before that. Uh, what's sort of the game plan against Stetson Bennett going in this time? I mean, uh, is it sort of a run back of what they did in the SEC championship game? And if so, what did you see from them that worked in that game?
1: I think it's just a team that had built confidence. Um, we, and really it hasn't been so much, ironically, a defensive issue for Alabama throughout the year. There've been little, little moments where, there was defensive concern. Pete Golden, their defensive coordinator, has been hammered by fans for years now. We're not hearing much of that lately, hardly at all this year. People were pretty happy with the way the defense did. So I, I think you're getting a defense that, again, just like the offense, lost a ton of talent and got better as the year went around. That game in the SEC championship was the best thing that could have happened to them because their confidence. And I think that's all, all it all comes down to is they believe they can win, they believe that they can. They can can contend with the best and most elite teams. And I'll, and also say this, Georgia is not the kind of offense that has the firepower. At least they haven't been to, I mentioned throw it over your heads like Alabama to do that. Think about the teams that beat Alabama. It's those teams that spread it out and throw it over their heads and have big chunk plays. Georgia technically is not that way they had it against Michigan but I think that's personnel versus personnel differences um Michigan and Alabama I think if if Georgia wants to compete they got to have the deep play I mean can can Pickens show up can Stetson Bennett play his best game of the year uh are they going to continue I know Bowers pretty much did what he wanted against Alabama Um, can they can they continue to have that as a threat they've got to do a lot of things I mean White, Cook, all those guys It, it, it all has to be clicking because they're going to get Alabama's best. And if they're clicking, it could be a heck of a game. I think it's going to be a heck of a game regardless, just because of the talent Georgia has. But as of right now, I would probably give the edge to Alabama, which is kind of shocking because the two-point favorite for Georgia, oh, I, I don't get that. Two-point favorite when they beat them by 17. And I'm, I'm not an Alabama homer. I'm not even a Alabama fan. I'm from Michigan, for crying out loud.
0: What, what, can you tell me why is why is Georgia a favorite? I honestly don't know. I would have favored Georgia going into the SEC title game. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, you know, Georgia looked unstoppable. Bama had just sort of linked to a victory against Auburn. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're just overrating Mechie being out because, you know, I will grant that the Bama offense did look a little bit different, a little bit less potent once he exited the SEC championship. That being said, do I think that can account for a 17-point difference? No, I do not. No. Uh, so I definitely think Georgia has a chance. I would even give Georgia a good chance. I don't think it'd be like this big shocking upset if no, they won. No, but are I, they the favorites? Not. No. No,
1: no I, I, I'm not saying that. I, nobody should be shocked if Georgia wins. Georgia right. has the talent to win. I'm just saying they should expect Alabama's best. Alabama will oh, not win about. the game if they don't play well. Don't get it wrong. If Bama doesn't play well, they're not going to win the game. But you have to assume that Bama's going to play well because that's what they do. In the postseason, especially against a team like this. I mean, they're not they're not playing Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and all those skill players for Clemson. They're not, they're not playing that. They're playing a great football team with a different skill set, which clearly plays in the Alabama's favor. And that's what we're talking about, that that skill set for Georgia plays in the Alabama's favor. And that's why we saw the result that we did in the SEC championship.
0: Last guy I want to ask you about before I let you go. Yeah, Will Anderson, arguably the most impactful single defensive player in college football this year. Uh, It kind of baffles me why Aiden Hutchinson was getting Heisman buzz and not Will Anderson when, you know, I think you can make the argument that Aiden might be a better hand in the dirt pass rusher. But if you're looking for all around skill set, I would give it to Will, no doubt about it. Uh, so I kind of want to ask you how Bama utilizes him for dogs fans that maybe haven't seen a lot of their games because we saw Aiden be that sort of classic edge rusher, which is pretty easy to conceptualize. Um, Will's a little bit more diverse in what Sabin asks him to do. If I'm reading that correctly.
1: Absolutely. He does everything. And that's, that's, that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's why they're so effective and, you know, he can get all the accolades because he makes all the plays. I mean, his numbers Weren't his numbers like the, the, the best defensive numbers in forever? I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, it's it's a don't get me started on the Heisman. I mean, that that that's that that award has just gotten so you know watered down. Um, Bryce Young deserved it. Obviously, he's the best yeah. player in the country this year, but that's a topic for a different day to Heisman. But I I think Will Anderson is just gonna, he's gonna be everywhere. Um, Aiden Hutchinson did nothing against Georgia. That's kind of a positive for for. Bulldogs fans, if they're looking for anything to see, that maybe they've shored up some issues with with honing in on the best players. But Will Anderson, for every Will Anderson, there's another one. You know, there's another guy in the shadows behind him who is going to play just as hard and be probably just as disciplined as Will Anderson is, and that's what Georgia's got to deal with. I think it's going to be great. I, you've got so much talent out in the field, and like I said. All the recruiting classes, number one and number two, whatever you want to go back and forth to however many years, we're seeing that on the field right now. And we have by far the two best teams in the country um, playing in this game, maybe more so than any year we've seen. I mean, these two teams and then way down the gap of other teams. It's good. I think it's going to be an awesome game on Monday.
0: All right. Well, that is Chris Brees, sports director at CBS 42. Uh, before I let you go, where can people find you online if they want to follow your coverage?
1: Yeah. So uh on, online uh, Twitter at Twitter at Chris Brees. One word, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-E-E-C-E. And then the same on Instagram at Chris Brees. Uh, yeah. Here in Birmingham, we'll be doing special shows on uh, Friday night and Saturday night. And then uh, of course, the game on Monday.
0: Yeah. And your website is at CBS42.com? Yep. That's it. All right. So Georgia fans, if you want to get a glimpse at the Alabama side of things, cbs42.com is the place to go for your coverage uh, In the meantime. Thank you so much, Chris, and uh, safe travels up to Indianapolis. See you and there. We'll see you up there. All right. That was Chris Brees. Now next up, Sean Pender, head coach of the Brunswick pirates. The reason for the visit is because you have coached not one but two players on this Georgia Bulldog team that are going for the title on Monday, Stetson Bennett quarterback Warren McClendon tackle. Uh, Let's start here just for people who don't know, between what years and what years did you coach each player?
2: Well, I had the fortune of knowing Stetson, you know, majority of Stetson's life when his family moved down to down to Brantley County, but I actually was his physical coach uh, when he was in high school at Pierce County, and that was all the way through, um, his senior year was 2016, and uh, you go you I guess four years back from that, so 2000 what, 2011, 12, yeah, 2012, 13, 14, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Warren. And we coached Warren, we came here in 2017. Um, We were able to come here 17, 18, and yeah, that was it.
0: All right, so I'm gonna move in kind of chronological order and uh, talk about Stetson first and then move on to Warren. Uh, So first of all, I understand that Stetson's parents actually built him a field at his house or near his house, is that true? Like, what do you know about that?
2: Um, His father built a, a place for them to practice when when we were in Brantley County, um, he did a rec team called, or a traveling team called, the Brantley Bandits, and it was a young, you know, group of kids that he wanted to do something, try to establish something. And it wasn't just Stetson. It was just that age group of kids. It was the community that we were involved in. And he wanted to up the, the excitement around there and do some things for him. So um, Stetson, the father Stetson, he, he um, built this field right next to the pharmacy. And it was where the... Brantley Bandits practiced, and he brought out like portable lights and stuff like that, and he had a great program with that field. They, wasn't, they didn't just go out there and practice. They had a little weightlifting program that they did. They had tutors from the high school come and tutor the kids. He provided milk and sandwiches for the kids. It was a whole involvement thing, and Stetson was you know part of that group. Of course, his, his oldest son, a uh, little man. I, we call him little man. That's how I distinguish the t- difference between um, what well, y'all call him the mailman now, but between Stetson and his father.
0: Yeah, he has had the goal to be the quarterback at UGA for a long time Entire now.
2: Life. Yeah, Entire he, life. Entire he, life. He always had that goal, and even when the odds were stacked against him, you know, even in high school, he wasn't getting recruited by UGA at the time. It was He had a couple of offers from smaller schools. I think the biggest offer he had at the time was Middle Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, you know, the, he, he had a, an offer from there. But besides that, there were smaller schools like, you know, FCS-type schools. Sanford was the big one. Mercer was another big one that he had. But besides that, none of those were – and it just, you know, he felt he – could play against and uh, against the, the competition. You know that was going to be there at UGA when when you looked at all the. The five-star or four-star recruits, Stetson was going around. This is where he got the nickname "the mailman." He was wearing that mailman hat. Where he was going around to all these quarterback camps, and he saw that he could match up against a, a, a Jake Fromm, for example, that was a hot quarterback at the time that was going to UGA, and he could throw just as good as them, and he could work. He was just he just didn't have the same stature. He was just a little a little shorter than, than they were, and but you can't measure heart. and make it as it.
0: Yeah well to go off of that I'm sure a lot of players including many with recruiting rankings much higher than Stetson's want to be UGA's quarterback and you know it just never happens for them or at least not at that level what gave you the confidence uh, you know when you watch Stetson to say he's going to actually do it.
2: Uh, determination. The kid is, is filled with determination and love for UGA. I think that's a big thing that a lot of people are miss out when they're looking at a four-star, five-star recruits. What about for the love of the university that you play for? I mean the kid always dreamt that, to be in this opportunity and so when he has his opportunity to be there he's successful because he's prepared himself self to do it. He's prepared himself to do it his entire life. Uh, he always had this his business-like approach and um, it's served, served him well in the in times where it looked like he might have you know the they, they, they get, people might thought the moment might be too big for him no we, we always knew those of you who coached Stetson and been around him knew that that moment's not going to be too big he's gonna rise to the occasion because he's that determined to be successful and he wants his team to win more than anybody
0: yeah I know that for a coach when you come into summer camp there's always at least something of a gap between, you know, here is what I would like to do, and here is what I can do with the players that I have. Here's what I'm confident my guys can, whoa. Um, Just fix that camera for a second, wasn't nailed down there. Um, uh, Hold on one second, someone's at the door. Oh, never mind. Okay, we'll, we'll cut that out. Um, but I to just kind of restart that question, I know there's always a gap between what a coach wants to do uh, and often what he can do with the personnel he has. When you have a guy like Stetson that can just execute everything, what does that let you do scheme-wise? I mean, are you just opening up parts of the playbook that you don't often do? I mean, what, what does that allow you to do as a coach?
2: A player like Stetson helps you redefine the playbook. Um, I'll give you an example, you know, I'm from the air raid system and you know when we learned our past concepts and things we do is usually you know past one, past two, past three, you know just with the your progressions. While with Stetson it was he was so good at reading defenses. He could understand where the gaps are supposed to be where he, he was so just intellectually uh, already advanced even at a, at, at a young age uh, and a lot of that's credit to the training and stuff he's done since he's been a young boy like, like we said he had the foresight and the vision of being a really good quarterback so he knew what it take to become a really good quarterback at a young age so that benefited us at the high school level where we had a, a young man like that that kid really changed the way we did our read progressions we were reading grass when i with Stetson. he would see he would see different things um like maybe you have a flat curl concept and and if uh the defender would drop and he knew he had the flats right away he would just take it get the ball out of his hands and and the, the receiver would be off to the races. He also was very good at the RPOs even before the RPOs were extremely popular I and mean, he he loved that kind of stuff. And you saw in the Michigan game, we were watching him run those RPOs in the Michigan game where man that looks that looked really familiar because if Seth has a chance to pull it, he's gonna pull it. And then he liked to keep his even though he had legs and he could run, which a lot of high school quarterbacks would use the their legs to take off running he used his legs um, just to prolong a play he kept his eyes downfield and that's something that we didn't really teach that's something that he was just naturally gifted at he kept his eyes downfield and he was gonna find someone open and he had the confidence to um, to throw it in there and, and, and make make plays Stetson's been a gunslinger since I've known him
0: I had two more questions about uh, Stetson then I'll let you talk about Warren a little bit I heard on a podcast that Stetson still uses a flip phone. Is that true to your knowledge?
2: To my knowledge, it's, it, it's, it's true. Stetson has never been big into social media. He, he never has, so he didn't really have the use for a smartphone or anything. I mean, he, he's on the phone. He's going to be on it just for a short period of time um he might still have a flip phone now that's a a question that's better for his 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 dad or his family that i'll follow up with that yeah follow up i don't know if he says it wouldn't surprise me though if he had didn't have a phone at all during this time of the year
0: yeah and then my last question to just kind of tie in with that is I've been at some of Stetson's media availabilities, I've watched a lot of his press conferences, and the word that I kind of think of is unbothered. Whatever's going on with you know whatever other people are saying, or whether the team's up by 40, down by 40, he is just kind of the same guy uh, at all of those different points. Is that how you knew him in high school, or did he kind of grow into that?
2: He always had a little bit of that demeanor about him, but, I think with this time at Georgia uh, I think he grew obviously I think we all grow as uh, you know as we get older and we mature but um, yeah just Stetson you know was always known as the the little guy the the smaller one the underdog and he's always proved people wrong and that's why you know now him, with all the stuff that's going on at the University of Georgia it, it, it's it's not that big a deal that people you know make it you know to be I mean I know it hurt his feelings a little bit when he went out there early and and people booed him but he didn't let it phase him but now because the same people that boot him they're all now chanting his name and buying his jersey
0: now I want to give you the chance to talk a little bit about Warren and I would want to start at the beginning when did you first notice Warren like what was your first introduction to him and what immediately popped about him to you
2: When I first got here uh, to to Brunswick High School, he was already being nationally recruited. You know, there was a whole bunch of stuff, so I wanted to see who he was and um, his mannerism. not just his physical size, it was his mannerism, how he carried himself. I mean, he's he's carried himself as a professional since day one, and and something that I also found that was really interesting, you know, when I first got to Brunswick High, we had uh, a coach come in and was talking all about how to get recruited, all the things you needed to do. And even though he was highly recruited at the time and already done all the, the stuff that he needed to do even as a sophomore. He already scored a, a high score on his ACT as a sophomore. He took it back then and was already, you know, a, a before the game. His mom came in with him, and they sat on the front row of the, of the uh, auditorium, and they were asking questions. They were taking notes of everything about how to be, you know. They, my thing, I guess, to answer your question, he has always presented himself as a profession or as a professional.
0: Yeah, and to kind of briefly transition to the current offensive line that you had this season before we get back to Warren, you've had no shortage of talent along that line with uh, Jamal there, with uh, Kanaya as well. When you see the way they play and the way they carry themselves, you know, do you see Warren's influence on your current team?
2: Oh, absolutely. He has a huge influence with that. And it really helped us influence in our kids getting recruited. You know, Warren was getting all this national attention, and because he was getting all these coaches coming in to see they were able to see other players that we had. And he also, you know, set the stage of – how, how to be recruited, how, how to, to handle yourself. And a lot of that also has to do with the, that man sitting right over there is, is Coach Garrett Grady and the way um, he runs our, our program. As a, He's our offensive coordinator, but he's our line coach. And as that offensive line coach, you see all the success we've had with Caleb Cook also coming through here with, you know, that came right after Warren McClendon. And, of course, now Kenaya Charlton and now Jamal Merriweather is going to be the next in, in line. And even before then was – uh, Dimery. now Demery was before our time, but just you know, how Brunswick's been able to produce these these offensive linemen. Well, from Warren McClendon on, a lot of that has to do with the way that they learned how they handle themselves. Warren had the home training, obviously, but um, you know, Coach Garrett Grady has a big part of that as well.
0: Sure. Now, it seems like, you know, Georgia's offensive line has been low-key one of the strongest points about the team all year, and it hasn't quite received the amount of attention that Stetson has or the front seven has, and I think that comes with the territory, but, you know, at the same time, they put on probably the greatest performance uh, of their season, uh, shutting out Michigan with uh, Hutchinson and with David Ajabo. When you watched uh, Warren in that game, I mean... You know what? What was going through your head?
2: Oh, we watch Warren every time because one good thing about with the camera being being on Stetson all the time, or the quarterback, you always see that right tackle. So we can sit there and we watch. You know, we watch Warren McClendon all the time, but every game, and not just the Michigan game. Every, I don't think I've ever seen him get beat. Every game he's getting after it, whether he's playing against Michigan, Alabama. It doesn't matter. That kid uh, knows how to play that, that the right tackle better than any other offensive lineman I've ever coached.
0: Yeah, uh, I know that uh, a lot of these guys are gonna eventually go on to the NFL draft or at least put themselves out there for that process, and I know scouts are inevitably gonna call everybody, including the high school coach, on a guy they're interested in. When they call you about Warren McClendon and say, okay, tell me what I need to know about him on the field, tell me what I need to know off the field, like, you know, is there anything that I need to be aware of before we pick this guy? What are you eventually gonna say to that scout?
2: Oh, his character development's through the roof. He, he is a strong character kid. He's got a lot of integrity. Um, there's, and not just for the media, there's not a negative thing that you can say about Warren McClendon. He is an awesome kid on the field, off the field. Um, the way he handles himself, he is a straight professional. Yeah, you know, so he, he's already arrived. And When they get a kid like Warren McClendon, you're not getting a rookie. Yeah, he's only going to be a rookie for the learning curve of the system. But when it comes to knowing how to handle yourself as a professional, he's been doing that since I've known the kid, and that was before he could drive a car.
0: Yeah, uh, two final questions before I uh, let you go home and feed the dogs. I'm sure they're uh, quite hungry. Uh, My first one is when you get a great player, there's often a little bit of an intimidation factor with the other team. I mean, you can kind of see it in their body language. Did you observe any of that with, anyone who had to line up across uh, from Warren? I mean, did you see the defensive line just sort of getting discouraged throughout the game?
2: That happens, you know, obviously, if you sit there and you watch, you know, then you keep getting beat down by the same person. and you get beat enough that you eventually start to cower. Um, But um, Warren, you know, a lot of these coaches would try to take the kids out of position to do that anyway they'll try to do different types of schemes and whatnot where they might move their better player instead of putting over Warren they might move him to another position and try to take advantage of, of somebody else and I've saw that happen a lot where a lot of times other teams would be afraid to put their best player on Warren McClendon because then they didn't want that kid to be neutralized.
0: Yeah and then my last question. Uh, I saw a tweet from uh, George Foster, the former NFL O-lineman, that said the difference between Southern football and everywhere else in the country, particularly at the college level, but I think this may apply in high school too, is in the trenches. I mean, the line play uh, is just sort of an order of magnitude better down here. When you, I, I mean, I know that you've only coached sort of in this area, so you can't really speak to other parts of the country. but you have developed a lot of really good linemen, you and Garrett, that have come from this program. Do you think that's true? Do you think that there is a level of physicality to Georgia football, both in high school and in college, that sort of separates it from everywhere else?
2: I'm not speaking for everywhere else, but I do know, you know around here, physicality is very, very important. You have to be a physical player. Uh, so that is preached into our kids from, from day one uh but you know again with the physicality you also have very good technique and stuff and ways to learn how to dominate and uh that's something that we preach i can't again i can't preach or talk for anybody else but when we're talking about finishing a block or finishing a guy we we, we're talking about doing it with with nasty intentions and getting after and setting a certain type of mentality in the head and play through the echo of the whistle after the whistle blows and it, it the echo stops then you can help the man up, all right? And then you can know, let him know that you're gonna do it again. But the physicality aspect is very, very important to our program, and I'm sure it's very, very important to majority of these programs uh, uh, from these parts, and that could be why the, the um, offensive line is, is pretty good in this area.
0: All right, I think that's all I had for you. Is there anything you wanted to add that I didn't ask about?
2: No, I'm, I'm good. You know, I just, uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm curious. You know some of these big businesses out there that might be listening let's get some Nil deals to do for these young men get them get them some some more notoriety you know, and, and well
0: I know it. Arkansas's offensive line is like a whole barbecue company sponsoring <laughs> right. them so you know yeah. like Warren Jamare I feel like they earned it
2: <laughs> that's right they they have and hopefully they'll they'll end up uh, getting some some good deals out of it to help them out and then of course also Stetson he needs to get some some pretty in and I hopefully as well.
0: I don't know if the US Postal Service is empowered to do that but you know if they are yeah, a, a number one. right?
2: Some there. marketing company I mean they could they could make a little change or something with here what, what not with the the mailman hat because I guarantee you a lot of people wearing the mailman hat.
0: Yeah, especially if Georgia gets it done in a couple of days here.
2: No, no ifs. No ifs. No ifs. No ifs. you got to speak it into existence. All right. We got guys that are – I'm very confident in our Bulldogs. I'm very confident in our players. And I really think you're going to see those two players perform extremely well.
0: All right. Well, that's Sean Pender, head coach of the Brunswick Pirates, formerly coached both Stetson Bennett and Warren McClendon. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Oh,
2: thanks for having me.